Spooky Halloween, everybody. <laughs> this will air. Yeah, this will air the day after Halloween. Yeah. That's okay. People will yeah. still be in the mood. I Totally. I mean, maybe. I feel yes. like some people no. do November 1st is like Christmas time start for a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Midnight Not for on me. November 1st, it's you get the cut. <laughs> I'm not I feel like you've never had that conversation before I feel like it's a good it's a good way to start but welcome mm-hmm. to paranormal everyone welcome. I'm Nicolina and I'm Marie and we're back for a full well a, a full episode of your favorite true paranormal stories but on this one it's just going to be me telling one and Marie's mm-hmm. going to uh react to the story yes. as as she does and as we do yeah um but yeah, I usually it's December first for me for Christmas. Like that's when I start my like that's when I put up the tree and do all that. But I know a lot of people are like December, November first, all of that, like movies, like songs, decorations out of the garage and attic are all coming out November first. And I'm like, I'm still fully in like fall vibes. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. I feel like, yeah, December 1st is usually when I put up all the Christmas stuff or start getting into the Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. And then like literally January 1st, like New Year's Day, mm-hmm. I start taking all my shit down because <laughs> I'm like, ooh, a holiday. There, yeah. I don't get another one of that's these what, for a little while. That's what my mom does as well. She <laughs> also does that. I sometimes take an extra week to get yeah, around to it. But that's fine. If, if I can, I will. Yeah, of course. I also try and hold on to it for a little bit longer. Mm, mm-hmm. Just because I like, I like my decorations. I always put in a little bit too much effort into it. So yeah. I don't know. I, it's hard for me when I put so much effort into a Christmas tree and just yeah. to take it down one month later is like just not enough. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I the first few years that I had my cats, I was like, oh mm. man, like this is going to suck, but they were fine mm-hmm. with They're the fine, ornaments yeah. and decorations. Sure. Like, now I have a baby though, like a 1-year-old, and he's yeah. definitely going to wreak havoc, so I don't even know if I'm going to put up a Christmas tree this year, honestly. Fair. Cuz I you, just don't feel like dealing with the Do you do like Havoc. Halloween decor inside your home or just outside? So or- usually I do. Um, mm-hmm. but this year was just not it. No. I just couldn't sure. couldn't get it together. There was way too much going on this month. My son's first birthday, my mm-hmm. dad's birthday, right. Stephen got COVID. I just don't Perfect. have it in me <laughs> to do yeah. anything. I did it in like half an hour. One day I just pulled it all out and I was like you know what this is gonna be it like I'm not going Mm -hmm. beyond this I don't know it's just it's just a lot to to put out and get together and I was like I've got something that lights up outside and I'm like this is yeah this is it this is what you get this is is enough we're also gonna dress up tomorrow to oh good um, hand out candy hand out candy we're gonna wear our dumb and dumber costumes again yeah so yeah um get the most out of the the effort we put in. <laughs> Raleigh is going to be a hot dog, which I'm Can't very wait. excited about. That's great. Um, and then for just for handing out candy, like we're not doing anything. My husband has COVID, which I already mm-hmm. mentioned. So like 
we can't really do anything, but I still wanted to hand out candy. I don't have COVID. I would not Mm -hmm. be handing out candy if I did. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But to be safe, I'm obviously going to mask up. Sure. Um, So Raleigh will be with me handing out candy as a little hot dog. And then I thought, (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if I just got a white sheet and did like a sheet ghost costume on you, on myself oh my to God. hand out the candy so yeah. that I don't have to wear my mask. Like I'll just oh, have the sheet there over you my go. face. And then, cause I don't know why I'm like, I don't know why I'm nervous for people to be like, why are you wearing your mask? We're outside. I would, I feel that I, I understand. Right. I and understand. then me have to be like, well, cause my husband has COVID and well. I'm testing negative. And then you open the door for them to be like, well, you shouldn't be handing out candy then. At Do all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Safe. It's a tough one. It's, I'm going to wear my mask and I'm, we're going to be outside on the porch. Like I'm not going to yeah. have them come to the door. I'm going to be That's out That's what there. I've done the last three years yeah. is stand and, out on the porch. And I think I'm just going to get a white sheet. And be a sheet ghost with my mask on under it. And then, yeah, that's what I'll do. (laughs) Double layers of protection. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're going to just dress up and get them. Well, I just spent so much time and effort on our costumes that I was just like, listen, this can't – it can't be a one-night only thing. It can't end at Augusta House. It can't (laughs) end at Augusta House. God. Um, Anyway – uh let's let's do some some horoscopes for yeah. the end of the day we have a pretty good chance of it knowing whether or not it rings true <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> you go first okay uh you may have to make an important decision today gemini hmm. it has come to the point where someone draws a line in the sand and challenges you to cross it do you stay where you are and continue on without that person or do you join them and support their goals and actions The conflict today is between your head and your gut. Don't limit your choices to two. There are always compromises. No, this does not ring true for me today. I can tell you that for sure. That's a very like, that's a very specific thing. Like, yeah. Do you stay where you are and continue on without that person? Yeah. I'm like, no, "Mm, no, nobody. Nobody to continue on without. Uh, No, that sounds like a bit. Of maybe it could be love, but could be could be friendship something too. Else. Yeah, it could be partners, but like there's nobody, nobody that like uh, there was not a situation today where I was like, well, I guess I just have to either deal with it or move on without this person. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure, that's fair. Anyway, um, all right, okay, sure. so yours. Try not to overanalyze your actions, Leo. If you continue to pick apart every aspect, you will end up getting nowhere. This principle applies to your emotions too. Be sure that you aren't trying to make rational sense out of every feeling that comes your way. Feelings are there for you to experience. Allow them to flow through your heart and not necessarily your head. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I got like there's there's a few things that have like happened this weekend that I feel like maybe I've overanalyzed myself a bit because of it and like I was I was going to send my boss a message tomorrow over something that I had kind of concerns over that happened with another coworker, um not coworker with with someone else in the company um and I was basically like ready to kind of send it and deal with it and then I was like 
honestly, I'm kind of overthinking this. I just think it was like a really passive conversation that happened and I didn't, I don't really need to involve him at this point in it. So, mm-hmm. but I was, if I hadn't had like the day to kind of mull it over, I probably mm-hmm. would have gone forward and then, and then it would have just been bigger than it needed to be. So, mm-hmm. um, I, it rings true in a, in a weird way. It's a weird horoscope to be completely honest. Yeah. So it's hard to connect. It's very generic. Yeah. Vague. Um, mine was so specific and yours was It was so very vague. specific. Yes. <laughs> and mine was very vague. So I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, my, I feel like right now Leo's are kind of like in their off season to be mm-hmm. completely honest. <laughs> I feel like we're not we're not a, a really like we're not the main character right now. So no, that's no, probably no. why the for the, the the stars are like we don't give a shit about yeah. you right now. So yeah. just like deal with it, it's which is really hard for me to handle. Right yeah. Yeah. Coach. It's all water signs. <laughs> yeah. Which my Scorpio rising is like all into it, gets it. Like sure. I'm, I'm feeling the vibes, but I'm not I'm not a full blown Scorpio. So mm-hmm. it's like not really still not about me fully Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but anyway yeah like kind of but also I feel like anyone could have kind of experienced that yeah as well (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah anyway um let's let's do the the podcast of yeah we are doing a podcast this minute but let's do the story (laughs) for the podcast so um I decided to do a it Originally a true crime story, also now a paranormal mm-hmm. um, investigative now story. So, um, which we've kind of done with The Watcher as well with that, and then now this. So I just thought I'd follow suit with that with um, one large story about that. So it is the Velisca um, murder house. And, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm basically going to tell the story of the murders, the suspects, all that, and then all the true, the hauntings and everything that have come since, since then, because I am personally very interested in all the history that built up to what it is today. So the, um, I got my information from Wikipedia. I got my information from housebeautiful.com, um, which covered the story. Uh, also, roadtrippers.com and a Vice article that was written called, Why Did a Ghost Hunter Stab Himself Inside the Famous Axe Murder House? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, here we go. Um so the Velisca axe murder occurred between the evening of June 9th, 1912 and the early morning of June 10th, 1912 in the town of Velisca, Iowa, United States. The six members of the Moore family and two guests were found bludgeoned in the Moore residence. All eight victims, including six children, had severe head wounds from an axe. That's a really horrific way to go about killing people fuck like what not for me a length a lengthy investigation yielded several suspects one of whom was tried twice the first trial ended in a hung jury and the second ended in an acquittal the crime still remains unsolved to this day the moore family consisted of parents josiah b age 43 Sarah, 39, 
and their four children. Herman Montgomery, 11, Mary Catherine, 10, Arthur Boyd, 7, and Paul Vernon, 5. They were an affluent family and were well-known and well-liked in their community. On June 9, 1912, Mary Catherine Moore invited Inna May, 8 years old, and Lena Gertrude Stillinger, 12, to spend the night at the Moore residence. That evening, the visiting girls and the Moore family attended the Presbyterian Church where they participated in the Children's Day program, which Sarah had coordinated. After the program ended at 9.30 p.m., the Moores and the Stillinger sisters walked to the Moores' house, arriving between 9.45 and 10 p.m. At 7 a.m. the next day, June 10th, Mary Peckham, the Moore's neighbor, became concerned after she noticed that the family had not come out to do their morning chores. Peckham knocked on the Moore's door. When nobody answered, she tried to open the door and discovered that it was locked. Peckham let the Moore's chickens out and called Ross Moore. Uh, This is Josiah's brother. Like Peckham, Moore received no response when he knocked on the door and shouted. Ross unlocked the front door with his copy of the house key. While Peckham stood on the porch, Ross went into the parlor and opened the guest bedroom door, where he found Ina and Lena Sillinger, Sillinger's bodies on the bed. Moore immediately told Peckham to call Henry Hank Horton, uh, Valeska's primary peace officer, who arrived shortly thereafter. I don't know what a peace officer is. I assume someone in the police department. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but that's what I would assume. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Horton's search of the house revealed that the entire Moore family and the two Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death. The murder weapon, an axe belonging to Josiah, was found in the guest room where the Stillinger sisters were found. Stillinger sisters were found. Now... In at first, you would think because the door was locked, so it doesn't seem like it was forced entry, that it could be an inside job. But I don't know how anyone kills themselves with an axe or unalives themselves with an axe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That it, seems that doesn't seem possible. No. <laughs> I don't no. know the investigative techniques they used at that time. If it was like his arm was like I don't know I don't know the details of how who and how they died so I can't really say for sure but I feel like an axe being used pretty much rules out it being an inside yeah 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 um doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m two cigarettes were found in the attic and suggested that the killer or killers patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and the Stillinger guests were asleep. The killers began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah Moore were sleeping. Josiah received more blows from the axe than any other victim. His face has been cut out to such an extent that his eyes were missing. So, okay, it definitely wasn't him. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't yeah. think you're going to cut your eyes out post-mortem no 
nope, doesn't seem right to me. No. Um, the ceiling in his room also had a gouge mark from where the murderer lifted the axe to murder him. The killer or killers used the blade of the axe on Josiah where using the blunt end on the blunt end on the rest of the victims. What? So like the ha- oh the other side of the the, the axe. like blunt so end like of the like a, axe like blunt force trauma rather than than the actual like yeah that's hard blade that's really fucked up that's Sharp so weird blade. though that he they only used yeah. that on him and the rest of the family they didn't. I'm wondering if he was the first one killed because he was Mm -hmm. like the patriarch of the family. Maybe. So they were like, as soon as I kill him, like the other guys aren't going to be that big. Like it's not going to be tough to get rid of them. So kill him with the sharp thing to get him done. To do it fast. And the other ones, I guess. I just don't understand why you would want to do anything slower in that or like with more effort Some people in that scenario. Someone up. who's crazy right? for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or or in this instance, it might have been two separate people conducting totally. the crime and yeah, one person killed him and the other people the other person yeah, did the other ones. Could have been that for sure. Maybe. And so mm-hmm. they used two people using two different methods to mm-hmm. kill. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Um continuing on. Herman, Marianne, Mary Catherine, oh my God. Herman, Mary Catherine, Arthur, and Paul were next bludgeoned in the head in the same manner as their parents. Afterwards, the murderer returned to the master bedroom to inflict more blows on the elder Moors, knocking over a shoe that had filled with blood before moving downstairs to the guest bedroom and killing um, Ina and Lena. Seemingly afterwards, a four-pound slab of bacon was taken out of the icebox and laid next to the axe. Investigators also found untouched food and bloody water during the search. Investigators believed that all of the victims, except for Lena Stillinger, had been asleep when murdered. They thought that she was awake and tried to fight back as she was found lying crosswise on the bed and with a defensive wound on her arm. That poor girl. Lena's nightgown was pushed up to her waist and she was wearing no undergarments, leading to law enforcement speculation that the killers sexually assaulted her or attempted to do so. Fuck. That is horrific. Over time, many possible suspects emerged, including Reverend George Kelly, Frank F. Jones, William Mansfield, Loving Mitchell, Paul Mueller, and Henry Lee Moore, no relation to the family. Kelly was tried twice for the murder. The first trial ended in a hung jury, while the second ended in an acquittal. Other suspects in the investigation were also exonerated. So um, some of the suspects that were tried and the result of those, um, those who were investigated are as follows. So and Andrew Sawyer was a transient and otherwise unaccounted for stranger who was suspected in the murders. And um, he was interrogated but never charged for the murders. 
Reverend George Kelly was an English-born traveling minister in town on the night of the murders. Kelly was described as peculiar, reportedly having suffered a mental breakdown as an adolescent. As an adult, he was accused of peeping and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. On June 8, 1912, he came to the town to teach at the Christian's Day Services, where the Moore family attended on June 9th. Hmm. He left town between 5 a.m. and 5.50 a.m. on June 10th, hours before the bodies were discovered. Reverend Kelly had confessed to the murders in court, but the jury didn't believe his confession. What? Yeah. What the fuck? In the weeks that followed, he displayed a fascination with the case and wrote many letters to the police, investigators, and family of the deceased. This aroused suspicion, and a private investigator wrote back to Reverend Kelly asking for details that the minister might know about the murders. Mm -hmm. Kelly replied with great detail, claiming to have heard sounds and possibly witnessed the murders himself. His known mental illness made authorities question whether he knew the details because of having committed the murders or was imagining his account. Hmm. I mean, mental illness or not, you don't just imagine murders and in detail (laughs) if they relate back to what actually happened. Right. In 1914, two years after the murders, Kelly was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. He was sexually harassing a woman who applied for a job as his secretary. He was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, the National Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C., Investigators speculated again that Kelly could be the murderer of the Moore family. In 1917, Kelly was arrested for the murders again. Police obtained a confession from him. However, it followed many hours of interrogation, and Kelly later redacted his statement. Um, After two separate trials, he was acquitted. I... I mean... I... I don't know. I feel like the case is closed after reading that. (laughs) Case closed. Case closed. Uh, So uh, the others include, so Frank F. Jones. Frank Fernando Jones was a Villisca resident and an Iowa state senator. Josiah Moore had worked for Frank Jones at his implement store for many years before leaving to open his own store. Moore reportedly took business away from Jones, including a very successful John Deere dealership. Moore was rumored to have had a sexual affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, though no evidence supports this. Worthwhile suspect. Yeah, definitely. Definitely someone to be investigated for sure. I still think it's the guy before this one. I think it's the guy who said he did it. (laughs) Yeah, same. I mean... (laughs) And who also was who had clearly details of the case. <laughs> and new details of the case and was also clearly doing other shit that yeah. would make him be a viable suspect. Yeah. Okay. William Mansfield. Another theory was that Senator Jones hired William Blackie Mansfield to murder the Moore family. Nine months before the murders at Valeska, a similar case of axe murder occurred in Colorado Springs, Colorado. 
two axe murder cases followed in Ellisworth, Kansas, and Paola, Kansas. The cases were similar enough to raise the possibility of having been committed by the same person. Other murders reported as possibly being linked to these crimes included the numerous unsolved axe murders along the Southern Pacific Railroad from 1911 to 1912, the unsolved axemen of the New Orleans killings, as well as several other murders during this time period. The murders in Colorado Springs were closely related in execution to those in the Moore House. H.C. Wayne, his wife and child, and Mrs. A.J. Burnham were found dead, murdered with an axe. Bedsheets were used to cover the windows to prevent passerbyers from looking in. At the Moore House, the murderer hung aprons and skirts to cover the windows. As the murders in Valeska, the murderer in Colorado Springs, wiped the blood off his axe and covered the heads of the victims with bedcloths. Mansfield was also the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency of Kansas City and Detective James Newton Wilkerson, who suggested that he was a cocaine-addicted serial killer. According to contemporary news reports, Wilkerson believed Mansfield was responsible for the axe murders of his wife, infant child, father-in-law, and mother-in-law in Blue Island, Illinois, on July 5, 1914, two years after the Valeska murders. The axe murders committed in Paola, Kansas, four days before the Valeska murders, and the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Aurora, Illinois. According to Wilkerson's investigation, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, indicating that the same man probably committed them. Wilkerson stated that he could prove that Mansfield was present in each of the differing crime scenes on the night of the murders. In each murder, the victims were hacked to death with an axe, and the mirrors in the homes were covered. A burning lamp with the chimney off was left at the foot of the bed, and a basin in which the murderer washed was found in the kitchen. In each case, the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves, which Wilkerson believed was strong evidence that the man was Mansfield, who knew his fingerprints were on file at the Federal Military Prison of Leavenworth. Wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury to open an investigation in 1916, and Mansfield was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. Payroll records, however, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of the Valeska murders. He was released for a lack of evidence and later won a lawsuit he brought against Wilkerson and was awarded $2,225. Wilkerson believed that pressure from Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also in the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. However, R.H. Thorpe, a restaurant owner from Shadona, Iowa, identified Mansfield as the man he saw the morning after the Valeska murders boarding a train a train at Clarinda. This man said he had walked from Valeska from, to, the, to the train station. If proven to be true, this testimony would disprove Mansfield's alibi. Furthermore, it was reported that a Mrs. Vina Tompkins, 
of uh, Marshalltown was on her way to testify that she heard three men in the woods plotting the murder of the Moore family a short time before the killings. I mean, who knows? The other suspect. Who can suspect, never be sure? Like, I mean, you could never be sure. <laughs> but like, okay, Vina, why, why'd you hear them plotting and not do anything about it? Yeah. Didn't tell no one. Didn't tell nobody? So who who's complicit in this? Exactly. Right. Come on. Get Arrest together. Her. Arrest um, her. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Immediately arrest her. Um, okay, so then the other person, um, Henry Lee Moore. Henry Lee Moore was suspected a suspected serial killer who was not related to the, the Moore family, who was convicted of the murder of his mother and grandmother several months after the murders in Valeska, his weapon of choice being an axe. Before and after the murders in Valeska, the very similar axe murders on his mother and grandmother were committed, and all the cases showed striking similarities, leading to strong suspicion that some or all of the crimes were committed by an axe-murdering serial killer, and just like Blackie Mansfield, the axe-murdering Henry Moore can also be considered a suspect in some of the slangs. Sam Moyer, at the inquest, it was reported that he, who is Josiah's brother-in-law, often threatened, threatened to kill Josiah Moore. However, upon further investigation, Moyer's alibi cleared him of the crime. I mean, I feel like that's normal if you're like, you don't like someone or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You might have, like, I mean, you can say I'm going to kill you, but not me. You you're tell me all kidding. that all the time. I'm going to kill you all yeah, the time. I'm going to kill you. Never I'm do it. get you. And you never do. And I you- never will. So <laughs> Sam's out. Fingers Sam's crossed. Out. Yes. Um, so- <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Paul Miller. So in a... 2017 book called The Man from the Train, Bill James and his daughter Rachel McCarthy um, discussed the the Valeska murders as part of a much larger series of murders, which they believe were all committed by a single serial killer. They conclude the murderer was Paul Mueller or Miller, um, an immigrant possibly from Germany who was the subject of an unsuccessful year-long manhunt as the sole sp- suspect in the 1897 murder of a family in West Brookfield, Massachusetts, who had employed him as a farmhand. James started his research in an attempt to solve the Valeska murders, and with his daughter found um, newspaper stories detailing dozens of families murdered around similar circumstances in the U.S., the Jameses thus believe that Miller was guilty of Alaska murders as part of a killing spree that lasted over a decade, killing at least 59 people in 14 separate incidents, including the Colorado Springs and Paola crimes. The Jameses identify common features to these crimes, many of which are also found at the Valeska scene. The killer selected families who lived near railroad tracks, which is why the killer was suspected to have traveled, hence the book's title, seemingly struck in ambush 
at about midnight while the victims were asleep, used the blunt side of an axe rather than the blade to strike the victims in the head and face, used an axe found at the victim's home, and left in plain sight after the murders, covered the victims with blankets to prevent blood splatter, covered windows from inside the house, and locked the doors before departure. In Miller's suspected crimes, there was often, but not always, a sexual motive directed towards a pubescent girl, as with Lena's being part partially disrobed. This has got to be the guy. This this is pretty tight. This, this one. Has this has got to be him. Yeah, the, I mean, as much as the Reverend, what yeah. I had, it's I had the Reverend or, on the top of the list. One but, of the two of those. One of these two. <laughs> yeah. Be it. So in a blurb on the dust jacket of the hardcover edition of The Man from the Train, professor and crime writer Harold uh, Schechter writes that this this explanation is the most probable for the Valeska murders. Hmm, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how the, the case has kind of unfolded and that's been the most recent updated thought on who possibly did it. Now, obviously, after the murders, someone bought the house. So um, it went into many hands, but most recently, um, a couple, Darwin and Martha Lynn, bought the three-bedroom farmhouse at 508 East 2nd Street in Valeska, Iowa in 1994, and they had planned to turn it into a, a historical museum. Almost dollhouse-like in its simple layout, the home has the ubiquitous look of countless other cozy farmhouses across the country. The Lynns wanted to revive the home and bring it back to its former glory, a status that came to an abrupt halt in 1912. They wanted it to function as an interactive time capsule and a glimpse into what domestic life was like for the average Midwestern family in the early 20th century. The walls had more to say, though and the Lynns were ready to listen. Soon after the Lynns bought the home, they got an influx of requests from some unexpected inquirers, paranormal investigators who wished to visit the house to commune with the ghosts of the deceased victims who once lived there. While the couple hadn't even heard of this profession, they quickly realized the little white Velasca farmhouse possibly the most familiar-looking house in the most familiar-looking town in the country, was haunted, and that the museum should reflect its deep, dark history. The house changed hands over the last hundred years, and the reported ghost encounters just kept accumulating. Things like disembodied giggles and screams. No. Mm-mm. Immediately, no. Unexplained movements a strange fog moving from room to room when the train passes through the town at the time of the murders, and a strange behavior from visitors that indicate the possibility of possessions are just some of the activities that indicate a paranormal presence at the Valeska Axe Murder House. Today, the Valeska Axe Murder House serves as a paranormal hotel, where groups of six of f- or fewer can pay 428 to book an overnight at the house. Accommodations are – go ahead. I will not be doing that. No. <laughs> will, will not be doing that. Continue. But people do. People do. <laughs> 
And accommodations are spare. And in fact, it's recommended that guests pack their own sleeping bag. Not that they'll be getting much sleep. Pack your own sleeping bag because we don't want you pissing all over our sheets. <laughs> Seriously. Piss your pants. It's scary. Pissing, piss yeah, for sure. <laughs> Naturally, a house with such a dark and mysterious past quickly attracted rumors of hauntings. And um, although families over the years never really stayed there for long because they were fucking petrified. Um. It's been on every, basically every ghost hunting show there is, from ghost adventures to scariest places on earth and spooky podcasts like ours. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then so on, um, on November 7th, a visitor to the world-renowned Velasca Axe Murder House in Velasca, Iowa, was rushed to a nearby hospital after being found with a self-inflicted stab wound to his chest. Robert Stephen Lorson was 20, sorry, 37 and arrived with a group of friends for a recreational paranormal investigation, according to the Montgomery County Sheriff, Joe Sampson. From my understanding, he was alone in the northwest bedroom and the rest of the party was outside and he called for help on their mobile two-way radios. His companions found him stabbed in the chest an apparently self-inflicted wound called 911 and Larson was brought to a nearby hospital before being helicoptered to um, a medical center in Omaha. Okay. So my first instinct was like, wow, he really committed to the bit. Like that was my first instinct. Totally. And then when you said he was airlifted, I was like, oh, he wasn't doing that. Like my first thought is he's doing it. He's going to stab himself or like it's not going to cause serious injury sure, or something. Sure, That he doesn't have to get serious medical attention, just enough to get press. Yes. But the mm-hmm. fact that he had to be airlifted to another facility tells me that that's definitely not the case. So sorry to interrupt, but continue. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So according to a Montgomery County Police report, the incident happened around 1245 a.m., which is said to be the approximate time that the 1912 murders took place. No way. Yeah. Holy fuck. Okay. A number of books and documentaries have chronicled the murders and subsequent paranormal investigations of the Moore House. They cite various individuals who claim to have seen a man with an axe roaming the hallways or heard the desperate cries of children in their bedrooms or become trapped inside the bedroom closet where Lena Stillinger is thought to have hid from her attacker. That is that so is petrifying. Sad. That's really sad too. Like, imagine though you're visiting this house, doing whatever you want to do an investigation. Mm-hmm. You somehow get locked in, locked a in the closet. No, thank you. No, thank. That's why that makes do me it. nauseous. <laughs> like I would not go. <laughs> There's a cork board on display in the house, which has a bunch of images of paranormal spookiness, mostly at nighttime, with ghostly orbs and even a snapshot of someone whose back had been scratched, supposedly by an unseen entity. That shit scares me the most. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, you're a kid, you're you're scared of ghosts, you tell your parents, I'm scared, whatever. And then they're like, even if they do exist, they can't hurt you. And then you see shit like this. Your whole life yeah. you believe they can't hurt you and then you see shit like this. 
Totally. Um, so apparently like the attic space as well. I mean, most attics are hot, obviously, but I guess there's like also just like this insane hot like warmth and they're almost like hell that people feel where the parent murderer waited for the the family and to do the crime jesus um so basically if you don't if you don't want to do a 400 hundred dollar overnight stay you can also go and tour it for ten dollars during the day i, I would still do don't that. think i'd go i, I don't do know you during would? the day during the day i would go would not go at night and for ten dollars i would go yeah for ten dollars <laughs> i guess i'll fucking go but i'm also but- not going to iowa for this. Yeah, that's just a – like, I don't know what else I'd do. <laughs> I'm also not – just not planning on going to Iowa ever. Yeah, so. anytime soon. So, whatever. Um, But – so, the owner of the house, Martha, says she doesn't like to talk about her own ghostly sightings in the house. She doesn't want to color the experience of the guests. But she did say, I feel like there's something there. If indeed there are spirits, you have to realize that six of them are children. I don't know if the murderer still exists there, but there have been a few things that have happened that aren't exactly calming, but I don't like to dwell on it. I wonder if, so the children staying there, I understand. I remember a woman that I knew whose sister's house was haunted Mm-hmm. very badly and it was kind of like this one kind of more malevolent spirit and then sure. children sure and um when they called like professionals to come in to clear the house out mm-hmm. and she was able to get rid of the malevolent spirit but she was like the kids are not gonna go like they don't they don't they, go aw. they're they're staying right. right um and i can't get rid of them like they've literally they're just they're not going to go. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's like a thing with, with child ghosts. Um, so I believe it, that the children would be there. The sure. malevolent spirit, I don't know if it would be the murderer. Because if it's a serial killer, right? I mean, they probably didn't leave. Like they didn't die in the home, right? That's so- the thing too. So then I'm wondering if it's like the dad just super fucking pissed off that his whole family's been it, it slaughtered. It could just be. Right? That's what I'm thinking. My second be. thought, my second thought is Lena just being fucking. Or that, yeah. Really scared and hating mm-hmm. men who come through. Oh, yeah. Potentially. Totally. totally. And really acting, acting like, get the fuck out mm-hmm. of here. Or even just like some spirit, like almost pre- almost using it like a projector with energy I don't know I sound like so um I sound so hippy dippy right now but like I just feel I I've been thinking a lot about how like if spirits are able to manipulate energy to make themselves visible to us yeah and these especially horrific stories like this probably carry a lot of residual energy because of the like the amount of emotions that would be happening. Right. I wonder if they could like project like people who saw the person with the axe. Like if Lena is like terrified and is like, right. oh my God, somebody help right. us. Look, look at what. Look, what, see what's happening. Ta- help. Yes. yes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 for sure. What I'm thinking could be it. I just have a hard time believing that the axe, like the person who murdered them would come back to haunt this place specifically because I feel like 
no, all of yeah. those other murders that happened in the same time frame closer by like why this house out of all yeah of those, it's why this right? one if if it's someone who went on a spree right this house wouldn't be significant to them mm-hmm. like it you know mm-hmm. so i do think that it's it's probably just anger um and like fear and not nec- i mean this woman is like she owns this place and she hasn't been like scared out of it over the last true 30 years so i mean mm-hmm. obviously it's not unimaginable like whatever's going on there is is mm-hmm. calm enough but maybe just like any spook from anything mm-hmm. is going to be not calming she did also say that she had within the two, first two months she lived there uh, she wrote down like an entire entire diary worth of experiences oh fuck i want to read this i know so bad okay. and i'm like where are they can you <laughs> yeah sh- where? but But she, like she said, she just doesn't want – because people are coming to have their own experiences. She's like, I don't want to make people think that they're seeing things that they're not because they've read what I've said or what I've experienced. Fair enough. Obviously, she has experienced a lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the story Um, and the hauntings of the – of Valeska murder, axe murder house, which Jeez. is a horrible title and a horrible, yeah. horrible, like, uh, I, it's just yeah. unfathomable. And like, why, why was someone doing a kill? The part that makes me feel like it's that one guy is the fact that he used the weapon that was already at the home. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems like a very peculiar trend. That's true. That's true. And they're like if it was a vindictive thing, like too. someone going out of their way to kill this family because mm-hmm. they didn't like the family, I feel like they'd bring their own weapon. True. True. That's true. I mean, back in the day, wouldn't everybody have an axe? I think so. They right? probably they probably knew they were going to find an axe on the property. Yeah. But I still feel like if it was someone, it just acts an axe is such a yeah. vicious thing yeah. but totally. it probably was the easiest weapon to come across on Pro- anyone's yes. property yeah yeah that makes sense Fuck. but it can't be it's not the only weapon no but so that's why i'm saying this person was like you know they had their their vision of what they wanted to do in mind every yeah. single time and it's also a weapon that like would cause noise when being used like it's not like a like a it's not going to set off a noise like a gun, but it's going right. to be louder right. than than other weapons could well, be. Would, I just right? don't know how this person got all of them. Got all of them. I don't know either. It was it was most li- likely a larger home that probably had yeah. space and maybe, but I feel like the walls aren't very thick in those day- days. Like. I feel like they're thicker than than they are now. Actually, that's, that's true. That's true. To but the honest. insulation was like paper. That's true. <laughs> paper and razors mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, pantyhose. Yeah, you know they used. I to. don't even know pantyhose existed then. I don't even know. In old houses, like from this time, there were like little slits in the bathroom wall, like just like a tiny slit, mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you if you have a house with one of these little slits in your bathroom still, if you take that wall down, you'll likely find a wall full of razor blades 
because that's what how they used to dispose of their razor blades. You just oh my God. put it in the wall and it would just what? fall behind the wall. Yeah. I did not yeah. know this. Yes, it's a real, it's a real thing. <laughs> that is a very peculiar thing. Yeah. Their do. insulation was probably was razor blades. Paper and razor blades. Creeps. Creepy. <laughs> Creeps. Um Yeah, I wow. don't know. I, I that just if there was like this spree, I feel like it just makes sense for yeah. someone to kind of go in and do that. I don't I the reverend, although confessed, I now understand why they were like, right. Mm, right. We got someone a little bit more on our radar than you, but someone else. Someone else. <laughs> really good someone but else. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for your Thanks, input. but no thanks. We're gonna go a different direction with this. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> oh man. Take me. Okay, anyway. Um Let's let's do some uh, some fuck Mary kills. Yeah, some Scorpio fuck Mary kills. I've got three pretty random ones. All right, you go. I think we've done all of these before, but not together. So we'll okay. see what happens. Okay. Okay. So we got Katy Perry. Okay. Stanley Tucci. Okay. And Danny DeVito. Okay. I'm going. Oh man. Uh huh. No. I want I want to marry all of them. I love I them know. all. They're good. No. They're good people. Okay. Don't come for me. Okay. Everybody. <laughs> I'm just off the hop. We'll get it out of the way. Just rip it off like a band-aid. I'm gonna kill Danny DeVito. And I love him. I Danny thought he was DeVito, gonna be the last. Love, Danny DeVito, I love your I work. Love you. I love your work. I just You don't want to do the other things with Danny DeVito. I mean, I'd marry Danny DeVito. Okay. But I'm also like, because you know what, May, now I may, may change my mind. I'm thinking Danny DeVito, him and Rhea Perlman have been together forever, right? Like they've been together forever. I feel like he'd be a solid guy to be married to. Like I feel yeah. like he'd yeah, hold I agree. it down. Okay. Never mind. I'm marrying Danny DeVito. Okay. We're going to kill. I am going to kill Katy Perry. Uh-huh. I was thinking I, was I thought you were going to go that Katie direction. Perry. I th- my original answer was kill Danny DeVito, have sex with Katy Perry, marry Stanley Tucci, but sure. I sure. I just can't do it. I I think Danny DeVito would be a fantastic partner in a marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill Katy Perry instead of had sex with her because um she's just straight up Illuminati. <laughs> yep. And, and um I'm going to uh, have sex with Stanley Tucci. I'm going to agree. Okay. I'm going to agree with you. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with Willow Smith. Okay. Kendall Jenner. Mm Mm-hmm. And Drake. Mm. Okay. Um... I'm going to marry Drake just for the lifestyle, just for the life, just, just to live the lifestyle that he could offer me. You don't think Kendall Jenner could offer you more than Drake could? I think Drake makes more money than Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner is actually the lowest net, has the lowest net worth of her entire family. Yeah, but now she's a producer on the Kardashians, like the show. So she's probably making a lot more money now. Uh, I don't know if she'd be as fun. No, she wouldn't be as fun. 
And it's like, like I feel like I'd enjoy what need, right? Like, yeah, like I, feel, live I also feel like Drake would introduce me to people that I want to meet. Yeah. And I don't know if Kendall would really offer that to me. Here, okay, I'll give you my reasons later, but go keep going. Sorry. Okay, okay. Um, Kendall Jenner, I would sleep with. Okay. And I would kill Willow Smith because I also think she's probably Illuminati or just like mm. she's a little off. I, I don't know. Okay, There's something okay. off about about the whole Smith, Willow, the whole Smith clan, Pinkett family. Got so, you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I would probably still kill Willow Smith, mm-hmm. even but though you would marry Kendall. Yeah. Yeah, this this is the reason why. Okay, yeah, I think so. Kill Willow Smith only because that's the la- the only option for me. No, for we're not her. killing Drake and we're because not I'm killing not, Kendall. Because I would marry Kendall and I would have sex with Drake. Having sex okay. with Drake just feels like it would be like, oh, no, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say having sex with Drake would be like fun, I feel, but then I'm like, not really. Probably not. No, I don't think it would be. I don't think he'd be great at sex. But I feel like he'd be a little bit like I, I feel like he would introduce and... me to people that I want to meet uh-huh. in like the music industry, even if I was just sleeping with him. Right. Yeah. Kendall, I would marry for um, designer purposes. Like, oh, you'll, you know, get like you'll introduce me to the people at Balenciaga so I can but get I feel like, like Drake something could fitted. do that too. <laughs> like, I don't think he has the pull with those designers as much as the Kardashians do. Like, Kendall and Kim just walked in the Prada show, and Kim's not even a model. Yeah, like, for sure. I just don't feel like anyone, any designer would be like, no, we have no time for Drake. Oh, I do. I feel like I feel like if they were, like, face-to-face with, like, the Kardashian clans or Drake, and they were like, who are you dressing today? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) okay. Who are they going to choose? I guess. I guess so. (laughs) So that's why I would choose Kendall. Mm -hmm. I also – she loves animals, which I really like. Yeah, Um, that's fair. Yeah. And I'm also – I also – enjoy watching the kardashians even though i watch it sometimes and i'm like oh my god <laughs> Do See, I, ha- I just despise it? i just despise it so i just i i don't i see your point and i think that i could definitely take the route but i don't really want to i don't know if i'd choose drake as my as a sexual partner i just find kendall beautiful so i'm mm-hmm. like yeah i'd prefer to have sex with her also if you have sex with kendall and i respect your decisions right you. like i I, yeah. I choose differently but i respect yours and the reasons behind them also if you have sex with kendall then you get to be eskimo brothers with harry styles because harry styles had sex exactly. with kendall jenner there we go that's enough right? of a reason yeah for me so i mean if go. i married kendall obviously i could have sex with her too damn yeah (laughs) fair enough Ah, it's a tough one now it's a tough one you know what you know what you've changed my mind no (laughs) because i would like no because i have a story about drake that i cannot share publicly but if i could hit it and quit it on drake (laughs) he deserves it so i'm gonna hit it and quit it and then marry kendall fair enough okay we're doing that there we go that's end of story (laughs) I he don't again. deserve. He don't deserve my long term love. <laughs> no. Kendall dust. There we go. Well, thanks well, for tuning in. That's, yeah, that's showbiz, baby. I mean, yeah, it is. And stay spooky. It. I hope you guys all had a great Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 